Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me this Saturday morning. I love having these shows where I just talk to everyday Catholic women who are living out their faith, striving for holiness, and living out of the gifts that God gave them because it's not easy. We all have a journey that we're on in our lives, and um, we have ups, we have downs, but at the end of the day, God is always with us, and we can be overcomers. And so my guest today is Katie Wing, and she has an amazing story. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Welcome to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me today. I have a special guest, Katie Wing, and she heads up the First Way Pregnancy Center here in Arizona, or Scottsdale, Arizona. Katie, thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And because she's in Arizona, I actually got to drive down here and be with her in person, which is a lot of fun because a lot of the time I don't get to be with my guests in person. So this has really been a treat, especially just being at their facility and seeing how things work. But Katie, tell us, what is it you do exactly here? Well, First Way Pregnancy Center, we... um, we actually provide a lot of services, but first I think it's important for um, the listeners to know that we have been uh, serving women in the Phoenix area for over 50 years. This, um, this ministry really started in 1972, the year before Roe versus Wade started, and it was an outreach started by two volunteers, and they basically had a phone and a desk, and a woman who had an unplanned pregnancy and was in crisis, had nowhere else to turn, found out about them, and that's where First Way started over 50 years ago with two volunteers and a phone. Wow! You just know it's of God when you just start off with faith. Basically, those women were just like, okay, this is what God wants. We're going to do this. And he really does provide. He always provides. And I even find that in my own daily life of certain things. And God always shows up because God is all in. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. He's just waiting for us to get all in. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, it's so much about how we all of us who serve here at First Way see this mission. It's about God. It's about serving him. It's about his heart for life. So that's right. Now, how did you get involved in all of this? Tell us about yourself. Okay. well, I um, am a cradle Catholic. I. uh, was brought up in a, in a nice, traditional uh, Catholic home. I went to Mass every Sunday. Uh, went to, at that time it was called confession. Went to confession every two weeks and um, just lived my life as a, as, a, as a Catholic. And then when I got out of high school and went on to Boston, went on to college, I did not step foot in a Catholic church except when I went home for a uh, Christmas or Easter or the summer because I would go with my parents. Can you could you see the difference when you were away and you weren't and you knew you were missing mass? You knew you weren't going on Sundays. How did that change your life on campus and being away? You know, it really was interesting. Quite frankly, I didn't really give it much thought. Um, I don't think I was catechized particularly well, and a lot of people in my generation 
would probably say the same thing. Um, I knew a few prayers, um, but, you know, something really didn't go deep into my heart. But I knew, you know, certainly years later that the Lord had touched my heart because even though I was not attending Mass, I was seeking Him. And He allowed me to go to... uh, to study um, New Age, he's to study Eastern religion, to study all sorts of things that were not Catholic. Um, and then he brought me through the evangelical um, Christianity. Um, but it was interesting how I even got there. He did bring me all the way home to the Catholic Church, as you can see. But what happened was when I was, um, after I was married and we had two children, Um, our beautiful children. Uh, My husband and I were meditating in an ashram. And so this was after meditating for years and being a part of that whole sort of new age uh, religion. And after several years and two young children, I really had a, a blessed mystical experience where the Lord showed himself to me in an interior way and said, and the Lord said, consider me again. So in the middle of an ashram, while I'm meditating and there's idolatry all around, the Lord in his great mercy came to me and he said in that beautiful, beautiful voice of love, consider me again. And so Abba Father said, consider my son again. And in a moment, this massive conversion took place and, um, I said to my husband, as we were leaving, I said, Jesus just came to me in a meditation. And he said, you know, this is really interesting because I've been feeling that something was really off. And so together in the Lord's mercy, we were pulled out of this new age. But um, so so when I went to college, it was just this beginning of this seeking that led us to this new age. And then we moved from there to Christianity, to non-denominational Christianity, because the Lord was saying, consider my son Jesus again. So it didn't even occur to me, oh, go back to the Catholic Church. It was just, where is Jesus? And, oh, there's a Christian church. Let's go there. So that's kind of how I ended up going to Christianity, but still had not returned to the Catholic Church. How did you end up coming back to your Catholic faith? Well, we were in a congregation that was Christian, but they also embraced the Hebraic roots of the faith. And so that was a very beautiful um, awareness. And I appreciate learning the Hebraic roots of our faith, especially since our Messiah was an Orthodox Jewish man. So um, I, um, I was at a, a, an event at, with this congregation it was actually a Christian version of a Passover Seder where they acknowledged Jesus as the Messiah, but it was a Seder. So it's kind of like, you know, sort of, you know, interesting where you can have a Passover Seder with the acknowledgement that Jesus is the Messiah. So it was interesting. It was a Messianic Jewish congregation. As a matter of fact, um, during this period of time, I got in touch with Mother Miriam, at that time, Rosalind Moss, because now all this conflict was starting. It was, you know, here was a Jewish woman who was a convert, who also went to non-denominational Christianity before she returned, 
or well before she entered the Catholic Church. But I called her and I, you know, I, I you know, it was just like, what, what am I going to do? I mean, I feel that God's asking us to go back to the Catholic Church, but I'm in this congregation. And so she talked to me about that. But at this event, there was a group of Catholics who were very, very supportive of, of this congregation and what they were trying to do. But there was a priest in this group, and I went up to him almost like I, I had to almost, you know, in a secretive way, I literally went up to him and whispered in his ears, I think the Lord is calling me back to the Catholic Church. Was that the first time you said it out loud? Yes, like, except to my husband. Yes. Did it shock you hearing that? And like you're talking to a priest? So like, Well, it was, it was, yes, it was bizarre because all of the really propaganda that I had heard was how the Catholic Church is all these awful things. Yeah. And um, why would you be going to a, the Catholic Church? I mean, of all places. So he said to me, what I recommend you do is you get Scott Hahn's book, The Lamb's Supper. So I devoured that book, and that really began, you know, so uh, that really began the, the, the entrance into the Catholic Church, was reading Scott Hahn's book. And then um, we didn't live that far away from the Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. So we, in a covert way, as a family, started going there. Oh, wow. I've always wanted to go there. It's wonderful. It's yes. beautiful. It's one of my favorite places on earth. <laughs> and it was a major part of my conversion back to the Catholic Church. I can imagine. So it seems kind of bizarre, you know, you, you being brought up Catholic, going to college, going through New Age, going through Eastern religions, going, you know, and the Lord in his mercy coming into the ashram and basically saying, come to me again. And we know that the Lord comes to sinners. He comes to where we are. And he delivers us and he saves us because he knows who we're really looking for, mm. what we're really looking for, which is love. And the only way we're going to find that is in him, is in, is in Jesus and his divine mercy, blessed mother and the Catholic Church. See, this is the beautiful thing is I'm interviewing all these unbelievable women of just everyday Catholic women doing great things for God, like you running this first way pregnancy center and helping countless women now, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone has a story and everyone has a way that they made that. I, I, I heard someone once say, and it made so much sense, Katie, when they said that the longest and hardest journey you're going to make in your life is from your head to your heart in your relationship with Jesus. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And there Absolutely. are these grown theologians who still have not made that journey. They can't quite get there, I've noticed. And um, and that's not knocking them at all. It is not an easy thing. And um, I know it's hard, and I've done that. But Jesus is always pursuing us. Always. Jesus has never stopped pursuing the sinner it's, on this it's planet. It's interesting that you say that because Mother Miriam, Rosalind Moss, said to me, she said, he's the hound of heaven, yes. which is exactly what you're saying. And um, that's 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 so true. That's so true. I think for me, and even, you know, knowing you, I think there's such a sense of desperation. It's like, I cannot stop until I find true love. <laughs> I just can't stop until I find God. And so there are so many um, false, false prophets, you know, there's so many, so many false teachings. But when you find when he finds you and you find him, you just know, 
there's no one like him. There's no one like him. And, and, and everything shifts, everything changes, you know, scripture becomes real, it becomes alive, you know, everything we read and we hear, um, becomes true and alive. And it's, it's supported by God himself, you know. So it's interesting when I, when I was in the evangelical Christian phase of this, this journey, I remember reading, you know, that um, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Mm. And it really upset me. I, I said to the Lord in one of those, you know, upset times, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You know, what about the p- things that people have done to me that have propelled me into this sinful life? I mean, I was just angry and frustrated and, um, and, and, Who's going to take responsibility for their part in my sinfulness? I mean, I was in a one of those places. Mm. And the Lord spoke to my heart, just like you're saying, to the heart. And he said, I took responsibility for you. Oh, Well, you know those times when we fall apart and yes. we're just at the end of ourselves? Yes. Exactly what we need to hear in that desperation. I took responsibility for you. And who he was and who he is and what he did on the cross again in that moment became it's like finally i'm loved in a way i needed to be loved you know so unconditionally 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 Unconditionally. sins and all wounds and all filth and all brokenness and all powerfully and completely 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 yeah but i you know i've had an opportunity of course to reflect on um how much sin the Lord has been so merciful to forgive. You know, you asked why um, or how did I get involved in First Way. Um, I'm going to, you know, it's interesting when we say women who have had abortions will say I am Mm post-abortive. And I respect that. I respect that. Um, as a way of identifying that that trauma. Mm-hmm. For me, I say I lost two children mm. to abortion. And the fact that the Lord has me in this position is so humbling. Um, when I was in college, I was involved in a relationship with a man that I thought I was going to marry. It was a very serious relationship, um, but I was in college. And I got pregnant, and there was no question about it. And and at that time, I was in a new age, and so it wasn't even about thinking about this precious life as life. This was about... Oh, this was a condition that needed to be, you know, remedied, remedied. And the the lies, the really horrible lies that are told, quite frankly, in New Age are, oh, a soul doesn't enter a body anyway until five months or all these different kinds of opinions and lies. And so not even recognizing life. um, From where I sit now is is really quite you know, still it's very overwhelming. And there's a sorrow 
that will never leave. Once the Lord opens up and says, when he said to me years later, he said, you know, that was life. And for a moment, you feel like you can't breathe because it's like, well, wait a minute. So what is it that you're saying? That this was a life? These were lives? And for the the second time, there was a birth control Mm. that was that didn't that didn't work. And so, you know, to, you know, for people who who support birth control, it's another lie. It's another lie, not only because you can still get pregnant because of all the harm it does to women's bodies and because it's not in accord with the beauty of how we're made as women and men in marriage. And, you know, we, I don't think we realize, I certainly didn't, how much we are lied to mm-hmm. and how much sorrow these lies. Is it sometimes hard? I mean, you're a woman, you're a mother of seven children. Is it sometimes hard? Is it difficult? Is it frustrating? Do we sometimes want to pull the covers over our head and just not come out for a while? Absolutely. Yeah. The Lord never has asked us to jump over the emotional component of who we are and what we deal with in life. And that's another thing, you know, it's like he knows it's hard. And, um, that was one of, you know, the most difficult realities that I experienced is to realize that those were lives. And even though I know they're in heaven and I know they're with Blessed Mother, I know they're with the Lord, the harm that was done to them and the harm that was done to me as a mother mm-hmm. it is one of the most excruciating things. And so, you know, sometimes You know, people talk about the healing that is very important for women who have experienced the trauma of abortion and the loss of abortion. Mm -hmm. You never have to try to get past the sorrow. I embrace the sorrow. I feel like it's almost like a gift that I've been given uh, with this, with this, you know, trauma. Mm -hmm. I don't feel shame. I felt shame for a very, very long time. Because you think, how could this possibly happen? Mm-hmm. How could you not know? How, all of the things that... Devil you, beats you up. The with. devil beats you up. Oh, how could that you demonic dialogue. Yeah. It's vicious. How could you not know? And, you know, I say, you know, the Lord from the cross said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Mm. And I legitimately did not know what I was doing. It was just a situation that needed, like you said, to be remedied. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, I very rarely, I almost, only one time, only one time serving here at First Way have I ever heard a woman who has had an abortion say, I knew exactly what I was doing. I didn't care. Wow. And I, they, it has never been the heart disposition of a woman that I have ever met who has said, I don't care that this is a baby and I don't care. It's never happened except one time. And that was because the woman was so wounded mm. and her heart was so hardened that she, you know, in her defense, in her defensiveness and her own self-preservation had to say, I don't care. You go numb. Absolutely. So there is no judgment. There's only mercy. Um, So when the Lord reveals to us our sinful ways and things that we have done, um, 
It is because he loves us and truly wants us to be with him in heaven. He wants to heal us. And so for me to be in the position of director of First Way Pregnancy Center, where people come here um, with all sorts of stories, all sorts of circumstances, and we can help them see the beauty of life um, is a gift. It's really quite a gift. Again, we are here with Katie Wing at First Way Pregnancy Center. And I love, love, love that you just said that I'm not ashamed anymore. And that is really so beautiful and it is so profound and it's so freeing to be able to say that because there are people listening right now that are thinking, oh, I'll never get over this shame. Like I will have this forever. It's always just been there and if they're overcome by it and they live with it, they walk with it, they sleep with it and it doesn't go away, you know, no matter what. And I've lived with that for a time in my own life. But to say I am not ashamed because you're healed and Jesus really can go in. He really can heal. He really can restore and magnify the things that were taken from you in such a beautiful, different way with virtue and with grace and his strength and being relational with you. And that's how you heal is having that relationship with Jesus and letting him see your ugly, letting him see your wounds. That's a real relationship. There's no relationship without the good, the bad, and the ugly people. You know, (laughs) it's all of it combined. But It wasn't until I let him love me in my own filth and my wounds and my brokenness and Katie the same way. Like we have, you have to let him in and admit, look, I have sin. I have this. I need help with it. And he'll go in with that grace. He'll go in with that mercy and absolutely transform you. And there is that moment, I believe, in everybody's life where Jesus does come and try to move it from the head to your heart. He really wants you to embrace and invites you and pursues this relationship with everybody on the planet, I feel, at some point in their life, right? Absolutely. Now, you constantly reject it. You don't want it. You want to shut the voice up. But everybody hears that voice. And I say it, and I will continue to say it time and time again, that I don't care When you say, I don't hear God, everybody hears God. I don't believe them because everyone has a conscience and they know if they should be doing something or not doing something. They know if they should be drinking or partying or watching or addiction or whatever. Deep down in that, God pursued me. And if he can pursue me in a drunk, high state, in the pit of a a club, and I still heard that voice, I know he is pursuing you listening right now and not to ignore that. So it's an invitation that God is calling you to, but not to be afraid. And every week, Katie, I say, it's Saturday and they can go to confession. And that's really where it starts is in confession. What did you say? Oh, my goodness. Uh, what I, was your confession? Uh, not the confession, confession, but to go back and have to confess that and wow. confront it. That's a thing, right? I will tell you, when the Lord was calling us back to the Catholic Church and we were at the shrine of the divine mercy. And this was after a lot of warfare, people saying, how could you go back to a dead church? What are you doing? Why are you leaving? You know, all of that kind of stuff. So a lot of warfare at the shrine of the divine mercy. And I was going to go into confession. Now, this is after 25 years, you know, I mean, a long time. I had not been into confession for a very long time. I was literally scared 
to death. I was so scared because I was about to go in and confess mortal sins. I mean, and abortion being the very first. And I, so bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been, I think it was 30 years, 25 or 30 years since my last confession. And I said, Father, I have had two abortions. I mean, and... And so, and there was, like you said, I mean, let's run the gamut of, you know, worldliness, you know, plenty, plenty of other things followed. But as far as I was concerned, that was, that was number one. And so other kinds of things, you know, worldliness, like you're saying, you know, and I will never forget Father Kunkel. Father Kunkel is over St. Thomas, I'm, I'm Grugel. No, F- sorry, <laughs> that's that's a local priest who we love, <laughs> Father Grugel, who is from who is may he rest in peace. He's since passed away. He um, uh, is from from Poland, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says after I gave my confession, he says, "This is a miracle." Oh, I bet that's the last thing you thought you were going to hear. I thought I was going to get excommunicated because that's like, that's part that's of the thing. Yeah, people are scared of that. I understand. I thought, okay, you are beyond, you did this terrible thing. You are the worst because I absolutely felt like the worst. I mean, oh, like I yeah. didn't deserve to, you know, once you, once it is revealed before the healing takes place, mm-hmm. you absolutely are like, is there anybody? It, is there anybody worse? I mean, could you do anything more awful? <clears throat> he says, this is a miracle. Look at how the Lord has brought you to his mercy. I mean, I literally started sobbing where I had to hold, like the, the confessionals in the chap, in the church at the shrine are, are at the back of the uh-huh. church. So people are getting ready for mass and things like this. I mean, I literally had to put my hand over my mouth. I was sobbing. Oh, it all started coming out, I'm sure. Well, absolutely, because what it was was that love you referred to, that unconditional love saying, nevertheless, I love you. I forgive you. And it was like, I know, I knew then I was not deserving of that for one second. But yet it was there and it changed my, it it was, it was a huge conversion. I mean, it was just, it changed my life. And so I am, I, I, you know, I really, divine mercy is a very, very deep, if not the deepest devotion for me, because I know intimately his mercy is real. Um, It's, it's not just something, oh, he's a merciful God. He genuinely is a merciful God. He genuinely died on the cross for those sins I just confessed. And he forgives me and forgave me. And so for a long time, I mean, shame will try to come back in. The devil Mm. will kind of, are you sure you're not? The cracks. The cracks. And what I do is I say, you are not greater, devil, than the mercy of my God. So I'm not having a conversation with you. Mm -hmm. I thank you, Lord, for your divine mercy. I thank you for your blood and water, which gush forth from your heart, oh God. Like, you know, I just start claiming the truth. And as I said earlier, 
it's okay that the sorrow still remains. It's like when you lose who you love, it's a very sorrowful feeling. And it's okay. It's a very beautiful, it's a beautiful um, badge almost of love that, um, but it does not overtake the mercy. We are going to take a quick break with our friends over at EWTN, and we will be right back with more from Katie Wing. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Women Made New. I'm your host, Kristalina Everett. Thank you for joining me and those just tuning in. I am here with Katie Wing from First Way Pregnancy Center, and she is giving us her beautiful testimony of her life and things that have happened to her and how she has overcome them and where she is at now and how God is using her. And it has just been phenomenal. So if you want to give the people that just tuned in a small recap of what we've been talking about, and then we'll go from there. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. I was I was uh, brought up I was a cradle Catholic, um, and as soon as I went to college, I didn't think about the Catholic Church. I didn't think about going to mass, and the Lord, in His incredible mercy, um, uh, had me on a long leash uh, and allowed me to touch on uh, all different sorts of religions, New Age, Eastern religion. Uh, non-denominational Christianity until he brought me all the way back home to the Catholic Church. That's right. And I love, I love your confession story. That was amazing. And it's just so beautiful, just how God just loves us in that wound. And, And when we bring it to him, we really present it to him. It almost is like he absorbs it in his mm, mercy, right? Yes. He just absorbs it and he takes it and and he really gives us this grace back. I can't even imagine how you felt coming out of that confessional. How what was that like? I want to know. It was really like you you're sprung from prison. Yes. It really is. It's, it's 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 a little bit hard to explain. You know, it's really interesting when we were coming back to the Catholic Church and people. Um, we're like, I can't believe you're going back to this church. Why are you going back to this? The beat church? down, yeah. yeah. Like you know, this is you know, it's a horror Babylon. I mean, like every kind of thing <laughs> you could at think. You. Um, and one of the things that people would say is, with confession, with reconciliation, they'd say, "I confess my sins." I'm sure you've heard this many times. I know what you're going to say yeah. directly to, to God. Yep. I don't need an intermediary. I don't need to have a priest. Basically, you know, uh, hear my confession. Jesus is good enough for me, and I can go directly to him. And and so, you know, I, I certainly understand that. One thing I have to say is that I can speak to people who are in that frame of mind and heart. You know, they don't really understand, first of all, the, 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 the history of our, our faith, but they don't really understand the history of the sacraments and the power and the truth and the purpose of the sacraments that were put in place by the Lord himself. You know, the last Passover, the last supper, where he instituted the Holy Eucharist, 
you know, where it says in scripture, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And so when people will say, well, I, the word of God in, in, um, the, the, the phrase that's, um, where it's the word of God only, like we only, it's only the word of God. It's not all of these other things. It's not the sacrament. It's not this and that it's only the Bible and it's the word of God. And I say, well, let me ask you a question. In scripture, it says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Um, What do you do with that scripture? Well, well, and there's always some dance around. And it's like, you know, and it's, it's like, the Lord has said, and it says in scripture, that to confess our sins, mm-hmm. that he put the, the, the priesthood in place, in persona, in persona Christi, Christian. in his place, as his representative. You mm-hmm. know, it is him hearing us. It is him hearing us, not only mystically, but physically. It is him. It's just like Holy Eucharist is him, both mystically and and physically, it's very real, and it's very, very hard because it's mysterious. Mm-hmm. There's an element of faith involved, mm-hmm. um, and that's a gift. And so when you say, when the confession, I felt, I really literally felt freed, like freed from, from an oppression that I did not realize I was under. I mean, it's amazing how we bury, we mm, bury without even realize, it. we bury our sins, we bury our actions. Um, we're trying to survive. And so there's not a judgment, um, you know, oh my gosh, you're the worst sinner or your sins are, wor-, you know, that's God's business. God's business about sin people's hearts, people's disposition. I'm telling you, if he could pull me up out of, you know, I didn't look like, you know, a sinner, you know, the typical, you know, sinner walking around, you know, like I, you know, you come from a middle-class family, Catholic family, you went to college, you know, you, but you know, none of it matters. Yeah. None of it matters. None of it matters. How did your husband handle all of that? Did he know what happened to you in your past? If you don't yes. mind me asking. Yes, he did. Yes, so when he you did. started having this career, you're like, I have to go confess. I have to. I mean, how was he this through is, this journey of yours? Because that's a lot for both of you, not just you, right? Absolutely. This is one of the many merciful blessings that the Lord has given us as a family. He was right there with me. And he was going through the same thing in terms of, um, well, uh, basically what he said when we were in the non-denominational congregation, and this was all starting to churn. And he said, you know, in prayer, I don't know what's going on. This is so, again, this was after we were no longer in New Age. We were Mm -hmm. in a Christian, you know, it's Messianic Jewish congregation. Yes. He said to me one time after prayer, as we, I said, I, you know, we feel like we're being called, you know, away from this congregation. He said, you know, I feel that God's actually asking us to partake in the sacraments. So the Lord, in his mercy, kept us on the same spiritual walk, the same mm. spiritual path. We met in an ashram, both seekers, both felt called to consider Jesus again, um, and felt called back to a church. Well, it was the Catholic Church, and he knew it was the Catholic Church because he was brought up Episcopalian, 
Wow. But he said, you know, I feel it is the Catholic Church. So it was just a grace. It was a gift and a, of grace that he um, was called back to the Catholic Church the, the same time, the same way. And he understood enough about his own sinfulness in life that he was not going to judge me, yeah. you know, in my sinfulness. Um, thank God. Thank you know, God. It's, it's really another prime example that when God puts something on our hearts, it's serious. Yeah. And it's not to be trifled with. It's not to be ignored. It's not to put God off later, which I'm a huge offender. I've done that a lot in my past that when God puts something there, it's serious and it holds weight or he wouldn't waste the time of putting it there for you. And so for us to just ignore it and blow it off or like, that's not really a thing. This is now this is more important, you know, or this, but Really, those things are ripple effects and part of our journey. And he's trying to get us on the right path. And I tell my children this all the time. And you, those of you that have followed me for a while have heard this, that that truly, I feel, is our compass. Mm -hmm. God is trying to lead and guide us. And um, it's just those small promptings sometimes are the hardest to do. But if we can just learn to be obedient, but also be humble, because you have you can't have one without the other, right? It's very hard Absolutely. to be obedient. It's humbling. But you have to be humble in order to be obedient to certain things and especially to the will of God sometimes. And so it's really beautiful that your husband was just listening and walking with you through this entire journey. It was journey. a great blessing, a great blessing. And I think it really, what you said, you know, you've said a few times, <clears throat> it's about a relationship. And when you really know and believe in your heart that Jesus loves us. He genuinely does. This is not, you know, like you said, it's not some frivolous, oh, Jesus loves you. He genuinely does. He gave his life for us. I mean, what, is there any greater love? Right. And he wants us to believe him. So when he prompts us, he's doing it out of love for us. Mm. He's, he wants us with, uh, with him in heaven. Mm -hmm. He wants us all with him in heaven. So that's what his motivation is. His motivation is not, I don't want you to be happy or I don't want you to have a good time. That's not what his, mo his motivation is. I love you. I want to form you. I want you to form you into me and be united. Be holy as I am holy. I want to give you the graces you need to be with me in heaven. So we're talking about an eternity Mm. It's about eternity. And so, you know, we're all called to do the work that he's asked us to do uh, for us, for me here. It's that first way. Um, but even here with the people that come here, it's about building relationships. The team of people that work here are some of the most beautiful people I have ever met in my life. Uh, we all have a testimony. We all have a story sure. of his grace and mercy. But again, it's about relationships. We don't just ask a woman to come in and sit down and say, and get, and say let's do a pregnancy test. Mm. We invite her in. We have these little counseling rooms that are now little mini, they're like little mini living rooms. Mm. And we invite them in and we say, tell us your story. Mm -hmm. Tell us why are you here? You know, we know they're here for a pregnancy test to find out if they're pregnant, but tell us more. Tell us, just like you asked me, mm -hmm. tell me about you. And it's amazing how many people who come to us are struck by that. It's like, 
why do you really care about that? I'm here mm-hmm. for a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, no. There's you're, more. You're not really just here for a pregnancy test, but that's okay that you may not know that. We don't manipulate. We don't try to, you know, force people into anything. We just want to let them know we're going to meet you where you are and we want to know about you. And so that's relationships. You know, you've stressed it. And it's so true in life with one another, but for sure from the Lord. He wants to know this is very real. The thing is with these young women coming in, they're vulnerable, they're scared, and they're kind of like, in a panic mode almost, you know, of like, what are they going to do? And to be greeted with such love um, and you're so genuine and it's a safe place. It's like the opposite of what they're going through and feeling right now. Right. right? Yeah, and absolutely. so it's very comforting. And I have to say, when I was driving up here and I came in, it was so beautiful because you hear about how you help people and you give them donations or you give them mothers, you take care of them, right? Absolutely. And there was a mother at that window where they they get the items and she had her little baby just sitting there and she was getting all of the items and then it's cold outside and the woman's like, oh, well, make sure you put a hat on her and she gave her a hat. And I'm going to be honest, it brought tears to my eyes just because, just to see how it's real. Like, see it in action Absolutely. of, like, you really follow through with what you say. Like, you help these women in need. And that's really where it's at. That's really where God's heart is today in in our faith, in our church, is, is taking care of each other, lifting each other up, women helping women, people helping people, like putting our egos aside and doing what needs to be done, right? And it's beautiful. And I just saw an action coming in here and it was just awesome. It was awesome, I have to say. It really touched my heart. Yeah, that's so wonderful. I mean, that is literally what we do every day. Our doors are open, you know? So I'm so glad that you had a chance to see that firsthand. You know, it's interesting that you say... um, that those who come to us very often are certainly vulnerable and frightened. You know, Kristalina, really there but by the grace of God go any of us. I know. If we're really, really honest and we do that deep reflection, aren't we all scared? Aren't mm. we all vulnerable? Yes. Aren't we all looking for that love, that connection, um, first and foremost with God, but like you said, with one another. And so we recognize that here. We take it very seriously, and um, we want to meet the needs. Um, we also, uh, as you know, we we uh, work with fathers. Yes, so the father's really forgotten in when it comes to abortion and just the matters of life. You know, it's like they almost kind of get pushed aside a little bit. Right. So we have men who come uh, here, and so we have wonderful um, men counselors who meet with them and really talk to them also. You know, so many of them, you know, are thinking, they're not thinking about, you know, the next day or a plan for life or ordered relationships or things that we eventually talk about in love. Um, Yet they're getting together with their girlfriends, they're making babies. And it's like, this is that we start there. It's like, you know, what about commitment? What about this? How do you think you're the mother of your, you know, like we start asking questions in a very loving way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. And our culture, like you said, it's, it's the opposite. The culture is, is, uh, is, um, 
you know, emphasizing um, sexual, sexual, um, getting together sexually, not promoting marriage, um, all of those kinds the of opposite. things. The opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Yeah, the opposite. Complete opposite right now. And so it it leaves this distorted way of looking at love, right? And basically, well, love doesn't last. And it's not a forever thing, but that's the opposite of what God tells us. This is a forever thing. This is an eternity thing, right? Right. Uh Uh-huh. Everybody, and this is the thing, Katie, that I just love that I constantly think about, that everybody has a seat at God's table. Everyone has their own individual name, has their place. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a purpose. God has a plan. And that is your seat and your seat alone. And no one will take that place from you. No one can uh, replace you. You're unrepeatable. And God himself will not replace that with anyone. It will forever be empty if you reject it. That's your decision. Mm. But everybody is invited and has a seat at God's table. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, you're invited to that. And even if Katie and I were in the same just mission and I had a crisis pregnancy center across the street, it would not be the same. We're not in competition. This is all about what God has called you to in your own unique gifts and your own unique experience and everything that you have that God has placed in your mission, in your life is what matters. Not what everybody else is doing around you, but what you're doing, because there is a reason for it. And you'll touch people's lives that maybe the person next door won't. You just have to take your own personal mission that God has given you and that purpose and that plan seriously. And I think a lot of us don't do that. That's very true. You know, it's interesting. We just um, recently, a few weeks ago, had a young man who came to um, the center who is a pharmacist by profession. And he felt that the Lord was speaking to his heart about doing something, um, something more mm-hmm. with life because he felt a conflict because he, as a pharmacist, at times he has to dispense birth control. He's a devout Catholic and has to, has to dispense birth control or some things that really conflict with his heart. Mm. And so we came here to get some of our service cards. And I said, you know, exactly what you just said, Kristalina. I said, God needs you where you are. I said, you're taking these service cards. If a woman comes up to you and says, I'd like, or, you know, I'd like to speak to the pharmacist and says to you, I'm taking birth control. I'm curious or I'm concerned about any side effects. Can you tell me? And right there and then, you, if it's one person, you say, there are some real side effects. Which is true. Which is absolutely yes. true. Um, y- y- there are some side effects. Um, and if you're interested, you know, I have a card of uh, a pregnancy center that, you know, can give you more information if you're interested. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, you come here, you get our service cards. But it's exactly what you're saying. You, If everybody who is devout in their faith is only working in overtly religious places, Mm -hmm. then the world is, I mean, the world is going to spin even more out of control than it already Mm -hmm. is. So you're right. So he took the service cards and he felt so much better. I said, you're needed there. You Mm -hmm. need to be there. Um, If if he felt a conviction that God was asking him to leave, that's a different story. But he didn't feel that. He just felt like, what can I do where I am? Yes, and that's that's sometimes what we need to do. We just need to go into prayer. God will always tell us. He's all in. And this kind of the theme throughout us talking, I have felt like 
Isn't that what we all long and we crave for, Katie, is that person to look at us with those, those that love and, and just, I'm all in. I am here for you. I love you. I will catch you. I will be there for you. I will walk with you. That's what every single person longs for. I know I do. And yes. that is Jesus. Absolutely. And he is there. I mean, right there. And some of you don't have a relationship, and this may be hard to understand or grasp, or, oh, please, not me, or I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, go to confession today. Go. Get right with God. How long has it been? And what's the reason that would keep you there? Um, go to confession and then maybe spend some time with him. Go to Eucharistic adoration. Sit there in his presence. Listen. See what he has to say to you. And no matter what, if you walk away saying, oh, well, that was just, what was that about? Forever you will be changed by being in front of the king. Forever you cannot be changed in some way, shape, or form sitting there before the presence of Jesus. And I used to be very skeptical. I used to be like, whatever, I'll sit here, but whatever, you know, in my sinful, arrogant life I was living. But he penetrated that darkness and he can do that for you. And if you're tired and you're fed up with life and you're overwhelmed and you're scared and you're just sick of how things are going and you feel like you're stuck in a rut, God is offering his love, his mercy, and he's calling you by name so to come to him. And he wants your undivided attention. And in this year of this Eucharistic revival, take the invitation. And that is my invitation to everyone listening right now. That's so beautiful. Katie, is there anything that you want to say to that hurting woman right now that maybe has experienced what you have in the past, obviously in a different way, but what do you have to say to her right now? And she's having a hard time. And then also... Where can people find you if they want to know more about your story? All of that good stuff. Well, I would say um, to a woman who has suffered loss due to abortion, um, you will get pummeled with the message that you are not worthy, that you are shameful, that you are awful, that you are horrible. How could you do such a thing? And you need to understand that those are lies. They are not coming from God. God loves you. He genuinely loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. And, you know, it's not a matter of trying to um, run away from the emotion, from the trauma. It's a matter of trusting that you truly are loved and that you can go to reconciliation. You can confess that sin and that you can really receive true forgiveness. And so you can be restored. That's one of the things that we do emphasize here. It's really about restoration. And so please know that you can be restored. God wants to restore you. So I would offer that for sure. And then also with First Way, um, First Way Pregnancy Center, we're, we're right in the heart of Phoenix. And so... Um, if anybody um, listening is nearby, we're on 16th Street, um, and we'd love to have you come and visit. Uh, if you need our services, of course, please come. But if you just want to come and see what we do firsthand and just come and, and have a tour or just visit, we'd love to have you. Thank you, Katie, really, for your honesty, your testimony, and um, 
just being unafraid and to doing the will of God in your life. And your yes, because it is a ripple effect for many, many women and even the listeners now. And you are so grace-filled and you're such a strong woman of God. And I just love you. So oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for doing Christina. this today. Love you so much. Thank you. God bless you all. Stay warm and prayers will be coming your way. God bless you, everyone. I want to thank my guest again, Katie Wing, for being here and just her courage and just encouraging all of us actually out there that have really experienced hard times, but know the grace and God's love and his mercy. We can overcome anything, ladies. So nothing is too big for God. And I love this quote from Mother Angelica. And she says, a soul that trusts in God is invincible. And you know what? If God is with us, who can be against us? We've all heard that. And it is the truth. So today, maybe go to confession, start over, get right with God, and know I am praying for you. And I wanted to leave you with some excellent advice from our dear Joy Pinto. Everyone have a wonderful Saturday and God bless. Joy, if you could give me and all the women watching just one piece of advice to just kind of take with us, what would that be? For personal advice, I would say this. Make sure that you are a woman of prayer and that you get and take care of your own soul because you can't give what you don't have. You can't help in your marriage. You can't help with your children. You need to have that firm foundation of your intimate quality, encountering time with Jesus. And then you have to move from that place and do what you do the rest of the day for the audience of one, just Jesus. Jesus.